Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of Into the Van. I can't believe we're in double figures already. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening and bearing with me. I've had such a blast doing these. This weekend's been absolutely fucking crazy. On Friday the 7th of August, we released The Next Life. And I cannot believe how well it's been received. It's everything I could hope for as an independent artist. We sold a shit ton of copies. Loads of people were streaming it. We got some amazing reviews. And right now, Cooper is looking at me as he's like falling asleep in the mountain of boxes we've got of all the copies. So if you haven't grabbed a physical copy yet, we've got 180 gram white vinyl with a gatefold artwork, which just looks fucking incredible. And it was drawn by my good friend, Declan Montgomery. I've got a ton of copies of those so far and we've got CDs, but I've just been blown away by the response. And it's been such a hectic weekend. We had the release of The Next Life on Friday and it was my girlfriend's birthday on Saturday. So we, you know, had a whole day planned of just hanging out with her. I was trying to stay off Facebook and, you know, not promote a record that only came out a day before. And I asked her to marry me as well. And she said yes. So this weekend's just been a fucking crazy, phenomenal trip. And I'm just so hyped to get to share it with people and tell my family and you know it's just been an amazing amazing weekend all around and I'm so happy to get to release this podcast as well it's just been a really fun-filled week and you know I hope whatever you guys are doing you're finding some joy and finding some time to you know have some fun and make some memories and things but you know let's get down to brass tacks this episode is brought to you by the next life which is out right now I can't believe it's finally out and the reviews have been amazing. Hope It's Country called it a masterpiece, which is truly high praise. Uh, Globe and Tex- Global Text and Chronicles, they said it was one of the most unique and sincere records to come out this summer, which is fucking really high praise as well. And I've been blown away by the reception, you know, even just fans and people who've bought the like record messaging me. And it's, yeah, it's just been absolutely fucking incredible. I'm pretty much speechless right now about it which you know isn't that helpful for a podcast and if you want to grab your copy you know you can go onto spotify itunes amazon you can listen to it right there but if you head over to my Bandcamp or mike333west.com you can listen to the record there and you can grab yourself a copy and i do ship worldwide i'm going to drop a track in for you now And we'll fly Or don't, that's fine And I think I see This ain't about me For all we are Is all we are And all we can do I think we're at a crossroad once again 
wish it was with someone other than my best friends. My head is telling me I have to go. My heart is wishing that it ain't so. So you go left, I'll go right, and I'll catch you in the next life. You go left, I'll go right, and I'll catch you in the next life. And you know, let me know what you think. You know, go grab a copy, stream it. I don't care how you listen to it. As long as you listen to it, that's the most important thing. It's the same thing with this podcast. And with Into the Van, at the moment in time, I've done more podcasts out of the van than Into the Van. So I don't know whether we need a name change to kind of suit the style of the podcast more. And it's not limited to, you know, whenever we are able to get out and into the real world and into the van again, I have no idea. So, you know, let me know what you think if this podcast needs a name change. I've been talking to some potential guests that will be fucking phenomenal if I get them. But we have a phenomenal guest for you today. We've got Amelia Quinn. She's a Northeastern based, well, not Northeastern. She's Leeds, York based uh, country musician and she's fucking phenomenal. She's one of, I think, the UK scene is one that's ready to explode. And I think she's one of the artists that's you know at the front of that and you know i think america's had this kind of revival of traditionalist you know more rootsy artists going against the mainstream and i think the uk is about five six years behind that but we're we've got the talent and we've got the artists that i think are gonna show a lot of people what the uk country scene has to offer and give it a revival because it's quite dated and we go into this a bit in the podcast but i think what the country scene is now is not what it was five years ago and it's not what it's going to be five years in the future and i'm really excited to see what happens but amelia quinn firecracker her ep came out on the 24th of july and it's fucking phenomenal we get into talking about that and how she recorded and wrote it and recorded it over lockdown with you know remote recordings from musicians and things and it is a phenomenal ep so go check that out listen to this podcast with amelia quinn i had a fucking blast doing this so without further ado this is into the van episode 11 with mike west and amelia quinn Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. Okay, so we're recording. And uh, thank you so much for uh, being on today. How are you doing with uh, this lockdown and everything? How have you been holding up? I'm, I'm not too bad. I've moved to the countryside recently, so that's been a bit of a mm. saving grace almost because obviously there's a lot more sort of spaces to go walk and not see so many people about mm. greenness which is very very nice yeah <laughs> what was the decision behind moving just like to get away from it all or um part yeah partly just because i grew up in the countryside and then i've been living in like cities and that for about four years mm. i just got a bit sick of it so it was definitely a, a welcome change but also just change of scenery better house like the last house we were in wasn't the best so mm. this one is a really really cute cottage it was like house of our dreams basically so we've oh amazing to get it mm. yeah oh. living our best lives now <laughs> <laughs> that's the best thing in like 
I live in like a terraced house in uh, the Wirral. Yeah, that's um, Yeah, and um, I don't mind it. Like, this is the first house I've had, like, outside of living with my parents and things, mm-hmm. moving with my partner. But I've just started building a garden and things, so I've got, like, a little bit of green now that I get to call my own and grow stuff in and parsnips and broccoli and all that. And it's yeah, I've been buzzing uh, to see, like, everything grow as I, like, look out in the, like, morning. I'm, I'm like the worst the most I can do is sunflowers and even then I've pretty much killed them off so <laughs> don't give your plants to me don't ask me to water your plants for me on holiday <laughs> back to like none yeah. but I also saw so you're doing a, a few gigs soon aren't you they're the first ones really around the country are you excited for them oh my god it's just like I could piss myself <laughs> it's going to be amazing um, yeah, I've got two. I've got one on the 15th of August, which is, um, it's actually a, a guy that does house concerts called Westview mm. Live, his whole thing, Gary. And he does house concerts. And I played one of his house concerts and it was like the best gig I've played. It was so much fun. Mm. Um, and now he's doing uh, the spaced out garden sessions. So he can do all sort of the social distancing and keep it safe for everyone, but still have some fucking live music. Mm. Oh, amazing! And then outdoors as well in um, near Manchester on the twenty third of August. Oh, cool! And like, obviously, like I, I've been having on one night. I had a dream that all I did was set on my gear at a festival. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I had a dream, and all it was was I took my gear, all my PA system, and everything out the van, and just set it up in a fest in a field. And then the next night, I had I had a nightmare where I played a gig and got every single lyric wrong. I was every single chord, every single part of like one of my favorite songs wrong. And at the same time, while I was on stage, someone behind me was just filing paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) Which for for an acoustic gig, you could hear like papers rustling and just like filing cabinets slam. And it was like, yeah, so I've, I'm internalizing something from not playing gigs for so long. Well, you should Google it. You should Google what, what it means. What does it mean when someone's filing paperwork while you're gigging in a dream? Yeah. But especially for like acoustic gigs, you can normally hear pin drops and the slightest oh, thing. So for someone to have the audacity to do their taxes while I'm trying to play. Such a silly, <laughs> trivial thing as taxes as well. Like, God, do it later. Yeah. But yeah, so I like I'm I don't know if I'm stressing too much about going back to gigging live, but I know I'm gonna start treating it as like it's not necessarily worrying me. I did a Zoom gig the other week yeah. and it kind of showed that like my voice hurt at the end of it and it was only about a forty minute gig and stuff. So it's like I know the same way that like if I was training for like a physical event, I'm gonna have to start putting some actual time into maybe doing a half hour a week of gigging. Like I've played songs. standing up for like the first time in ages today to sort of practice for um for Friday for the the EP virtual launch mm. review. Um, I thought just for the fun of it, I'll I'll do a bit of standing up and see if I can still do it. Oh my god, it's napping. <laughs> mm. You don't realize how like it rusty you get so quick, and that's the thing I'm going to try and start building it up again. It's like recording vocals as well. I was like, bloody mm. hell, I'm out of breath. And like, these were easy live. I'm like, how am I not doing it in the studio? Yeah. And like, I don't know about you, but like, because of like, sometimes I do like that growl and things, I've got like a way to do it where it doesn't hurt. But for yeah. some reason at this gig, I just completely forgot how to 
sing properly and it was just like shredding the back of my throat. So I'm going to have to... Sometimes, yeah. you know, you just blank on something and it just it won't yeah. work. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was talking to Josh the other day about it as well, telling him about my nightmare, and that kind of put the fear bit into him as well. So I think he's going to start oh, no. practicing a bit more. Spreading it around. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then, did you see that video that came out this morning of that American guy and the woman got on stage with him? <gasps> yeah, I did. Yeah. What so was that about? yeah, so then that's worried me about live shows and things. If someone's yeah. going to be cocky and try and walk up on. Who just gets all the same? It's the fact that she like tugged him by his bandana and just coughed in his face. Yeah. And I was like, what are you doing? Like, what mm. possesses someone to go do that? She must be a semen. Like, yeah. Just the audacity. But I've had a few people walk onto stage while I've been playing to like fuck with me. Oh. But like, I've never. Co- really? Maybe I could give off a vibe. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I had one guy, and it was one of the worst gigs I've ever played in Liverpool. And it was a rough part of Liverpool because Liverpool's really nice normally. But there was a table of just drug dealers at the front of the stage. <laughs> and they they had like banner phones That's and they were just fighting the entire time. And I was playing and one guy literally, as he walked past, just hit and hit like my strumming hand and knocked the pick out of my hand. But there was like eight guys there. So it was like, what the fuck do you do? And then... There was a bar fight like 20 minutes later on. <laughs> I don't know. Like, you it felt like that, but it was during a love song as well. So it was like the quietest song I was at playing. And this bar fight erupted, and my, like, my girlfriend was there, and we were just looking at each other like, can we just fucking leave now? <laughs> or looking back on that, oh, I'd, I'd still rather gig like that than not gig at all. Like it's been well, yeah, since March. It was like advice where like you can never gig again or every gig you play there's gonna be a bar fight with like eight drug dealers. I'd rather yeah. take the bar fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least you're getting out and about That's and meeting new people. I'll start throwing punches at yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. With like eight drug dealers, you should be able to befriend at least one of them. Maybe shift an EP. It's a numbers game at some point. Yeah. I mean they must have money. They've got to have money. <laughs> yeah. Just lose that. Be like, buy merch. Yeah. So, it's like CDs are your merch, but you can buy that. Yeah. CDs are dead good to do lines on. Trust me, and just try and <laughs> shift as many as you can. <laughs> that is a good selling point. That is a really good. Selling point. <laughs> <laughs> oh god! <Wow. laughs> and that's not from experience or anything. I've just seen that on the internet. <laughs> the internet is a wonderful place. <laughs> yeah. But with EPs and things, you've got. This podcast will be out in August, so your EP Firecracker will already be out by now. Yeah, um, been out for, yeah, for a little bit. Yeah. What was the uh, writing process and recording process behind that? Did you do it during the lockdown, or was it pre-lockdown that you started on it? Much. Um, the writing process. These I've had these songs so sort of added up over a little bit, um, so they're not. They've all sort of come from a similar period in my life, um, but. Yeah, they've sort of built up over, over the past year and a bit. Um, and the recording process has sort of been since January. We went into the studio. Luckily, we missed all of this shite and <laughs> went into the studio uh, and recorded the drums. And then we were planning on going back in the studio, but obviously that wasn't going to happen mm. because then when it's locked down pretty quickly, we've been sort of doing all the 
um, getting it together and getting who was going to be on the record and, and what all the parts were going to be and what we wanted to do with it. Um, so we recorded... We recorded the acoustic guitar before that at mine because I've got a little sort of home setup. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did that at mine, and then and then we went into lockdown. And it was like, right, okay, we need to do the rest of the EP somehow because I'm not. I didn't want to put it on hold mm. indefinitely because you don't know when when you'd be able to go back. We only just sort of maybe sneakily be able to go back into the studio. So um, I wanted to sort of go ahead with it, and me sort of having a recording setup at home, I was like, well, if I find you know, musicians that are able to record at home, then we can still do this. It's, it's still, you know, um, an option. So um, Ben, my, my guitarist, did a guitar and a pedal steel. He had a, a setup, so he recorded at home, sent it to me, my bassist. Um, he's got a whole home studio, so he recorded at home and sent it to me, and then I passed it on to the producer um, and did all my vocals and that myself. Um and then he sort of produced and worked his magic. Our journey is brilliant. He did my first EP and Mistakes, and he's done this EP now, and he's just, I will stick with him because he's fantastic. Mm. And he totally gets my vision and what I'm going for. And he's really outdone himself on this record. Like, I'm, I've, I've always had a thing where when I listen to my own um, recordings, I'm like, oh, my God, I sound so amateur. I sound so shit. Mm. You know? And this is the first record I've ever done where I'm like, oh, my God, this actually sounds professional. Like, it sounds amazing. Mm. Um, and not because it's me or any of my songs or anything <laughs> like that, but just like the production on it and how and all the layering and how it's all come together is just, yeah, it's it's so much better than I could have ever dreamed it would be. Like I thought it was going to be good, but wow, I'm so excited to put it out. Um, yeah. But yeah, so written over a while and then mostly recorded in lockdown. Yeah. Oh, cool. cool. Yeah. That's the thing. It is showing how doable like all this portable technology and things is now. It's not. You don't have to rely on going into an actual studio and pacing yourself out but the trick i've always done because i've like i think everyone's really critical about their own sound is what i do on spotify is i'd make a playlist and i put one of my tracks in it off the ep and then shuffle it and then you don't know when it's going to show up so like you can kind of hopefully tell if it sounds of quality and of like that standard when i've been listening to like the mixes for f because obviously we've done it by distance we can't just sit in the studio and go right i want to tweak this Mm. there and i want to tweak that that is has a lot of back and forth so it just is more time consuming because you have to go back and forth and you have Mm. to sort of have those conversations and then wait and then get it sent again and download it and play it and go right okay i need this done um but when i've been referencing those mixes at home i've been putting on spotify for a bit getting used to listening to that and then putting the the mix mm. on and if it's sort of not jarring mm. like the difference in that then sound oh, <laughs> good, good. yeah and with car tests as oh. well lots of car testing oh really yeah it's 10 o'clock in the evening like right we're going for a drive then <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's that's the main thing is like making sure it's across all different platforms so it's making sure it plays on a vinyl making sure it plays on the car and wherever else people are going on your phone as well. Cause that's where most people are listening to stuff now. A shocking, yeah. A shocking amount of people use their phone. I'm like, why? <laughs> Put all this effort in to make it sound amazing on these speakers, stereo yeah. mix and all that. And you go listen to it through a crappy phone speaker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But with like firecracker, your EP, what, did you go into it differently than you did with wrote off? Like your first one, was it like anything really standing out that you wanted to write about or was it just kind of like the next collection of songs? I think it was the way that I sort of chose the songs were the ones that 
it's a sassy EP. Like it's all sort of the sassy songs. It's the grit and the sort of saying, you know, I'm I'm fucking here now. Mm. You know, at me kind of thing. Um, thank you. <laughs> Having t-shirts thrown at me. Um, <laughs> wrote like was wrote off i literally in my they're in my songbook and i literally wrote those three songs one mm. after the other oh, really and they're sort of very yeah literally like probably in the space of a month i had mm. the song i was like right these, these are what i'm gonna record um whereas firecracker did take a, it was longer it was a longer process it was sort of picking and choosing um well i like this song from this sort of time i like this song um i like this one you know and and going through what i'd written over it must have been a year and a half or so um and then polishing them off and you know mm. working up in them and making sure that they sort of flow nicely as a record because mm. um, originally it was supposed to be a five track ep and mm. mistakes were supposed to be included on it but in the end i found that um one because mistakes was recorded with different musicians at a different time mm. and two it was just slightly off from the flow of the EP, uh, I ended up not putting it on there. Oh, really? Yeah. So, well, little singing. Oh, cool. And you released it as a single, and like, how did that, like, what was the reception from that? Because, like, yeah, yeah. yeah it, like, it was my first full band, sort because of, Wrote Off was very sort of acoustic, very nice, very pretty. My sort of finding my feet kind of record. Mm. Um, and yeah, bringing the full band sound in, I was I was a little bit nervous about it, and I'm still like a little bit cautious because it is very different. If, if people only know me from the CD that mm. I released before, this is going to be a very big change. Um, I don't think it's a bad change, definitely not personally. I much prefer it. Um, but yeah, mistakes was I was a bit like, oh okay, um, let's see how this is going to go down. Almost testing the water, for Firecracker. Mm. Um, but it went down really well and got lots of good reviews. So. I'm happy with how it went and it's given me more confidence with Firecracker and, and how that's going to go down with people. Oh, good. I think it's it's dead interesting with bands and things because, you know, when people release their first EP, like mine was probably the same as yours. It was just like stripped back. It's acoustic and vocals and not much else on it. So people always try and like the biggest thing I always get when I'm playing live just on my own is I wish I, you had a band with you. I'm like, well, I don't. And then if you explained the cost behind having a band with you and like, if you were like, if you want to pay me like 700 pounds to be here with a full band, you I know, I can. People well, realize how much it actually does cost because this is, you know, this is people's jobs to yeah. what they do for a living. Um, you can't just sort of, we don't just roll up to a venue and think, Oh yeah, sure. I fancy a gig tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and work like that. Yeah, like I don't, I don't mind playing for fuck all, but I don't feel like the people who have to be on stage with me should have to also take that decision. In a position, isn't it? It's sort of expecting that from them. And mm. yeah, I'm the same. I can't just expect someone to do that for me and just be like, oh yeah, it's, it's for nothing, but it will yeah. be fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such a weird thing, especially in like this singer-songwriter thing, because you see even artists like Tyler Childers, where he'll go out on his own, and then people will still be like, I wish you had the full band. But then you see him with the full band. And then a lot of people will be like, I wish you were just on your own. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, hard like- to, <laughs> it's hard to like balance those expectations of what people bring. That's why I've kind of with like the Next Life album I've done, I've got like pedal steel and fiddle and things on it. 
But to me, that exists in its own like capacity. That's not necessarily something that can ever happen again. Because I know that putting it to record is committing those songs to that one space and time. And everything else will always change with a live performance. And it's hard to try and explain to people when it's like, oh, I wish you had X or I wish you had Y. And it's like, I might do down the line, but the songs are the purest. Core is still this. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. That's, yeah. I like acoustic gigs for that. I like writers rounds, especially for that. That's mm. sort of, it's just the purest form of the song. And like, I understand the logic behind saying, oh, you know, you want it to sound live like it does on the record. But I'm the same sort of for me, like that record you can have fun with recording that you can't do live. Like you can put layers, mm. you can put effects, you can put things on a record that you can't necessarily do live without having, you know, shit on a kit. Yeah. Um, and as well, like that's the special thing about seeing it live. You can listen to a CD, you can listen to that over and over if you want to like, mm. you really want to hear it for like the record, go listen to the record. <laughs> you know, it's there, it's always there for you to pick up whenever you want. But a live version that's the that's one time that's in the moment mm. you're never going to see that again you can record it on your phone it's not the same you know you, you're never going to have that moment again and like why not change it up why just try and replicate something you've already done why not just go in and be like right okay here's a little treat for you yeah um, the record but here's the live version here's you know a bit of a twist on it or here's just how it sounds right now yeah enjoy it <laughs> Yeah, that's the main thing. And I think like, cause I really enjoy like Siv, like my partner, she's been to like loads of my gigs and sometimes I'll throw in something either extra or I'll do a pause and she'll be the only one who picks up on it. But it's kind of like a little, she'll be like, why did you pause that long for that part? And I'm like, oh, so you noticed it. And it'll just yeah. be like, or I'll pause and like, while someone's talking and stare at them for a minute or I'll yeah. do something that is just like for me to keep those songs like fresh and fun because a live performance, the worst thing I'd ever want to be is bored during my own show. It's the worst feeling. Like when you just, I've had it a couple cause I used to sort of sing in restaurants and stuff like that. And I just can't, I don't have it in me anymore. Like, no. I understand, and I, I have mad respect for musicians that make their living like that. Cause it's not something I can do. Um, and I think it is, it's a great job. Mm. it's fantastic for people that can do it but for me I've just I've been there I've done it and I just feel like I literally feel my soul dying mm. yeah <laughs> same it because I just can't I'm too I'm a very full-on person I'm a very active person like in my mind and everything like some of the shit I come out with is crazy and I will ever say it in public um and I just can't I, I always need that sort of change and that sort of in the moment that sort of like like that live version like this being like this is what it's like right now and then mm. it could be different i can't go night to night playing the same set no yeah i always try and like i'll always write the set list on the like half hour before i go on just to get a vibe of you yeah and that's not not on purpose it's usually because i've just totally forgotten <laughs> to or i still haven't decided what we're playing yeah. yeah but that's like the nice thing that's what i do i literally get to a place and like if it's a rock bar or if it's a coffee shop or whatever it is and i'll like kind of like either if there's acts on performing and stuff i'll listen to what they're doing what the reaction is and then it's also what haven't i played in a while that might be the most fun for me yeah. to do but yeah. you were saying like with your ep it's a uh, sassy and obviously firecracker is a self-descriptive term for you. Was that an intentional way to try and define yourself further? Because I know the hardest thing I think about songwriters and like country musicians in the UK scene is 
you don't want to slip into cliche and you want to become like, like make your own flag and you want to become like the, not like not necessarily someone that can like, they can recognize you off the bat, but you want to be able to put your personality to the forefront without becoming again, like cliched or something yeah. that's a bit stagnant. No, definitely. And like, I, I don't think I ever sort of, I didn't, I never sat down and wrote and sort of think, right, I'm going to write a song and I'm going to be really sassy about it. Mm. Um, because I very much, when, when it's a song that I like and when it's a song that, um, you know, the songs that go on the records and stuff, they're songs that I've written very quickly and they're songs mm. that I've written in the moment and that's what I'm feeling then and there or that's the story that I've got in my head. Um, so I know I've, I do struggle to sort of sit down right, I'm going to write this kind of song mm. today. I'm not one of those writers um, personally. And it's just kind of happened that they're sassy and they're gritty because that's who I am. Mm. That's what I'm like. I'm sarcastic as shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I am sassy and I am gritty. And I found sort of since wrote off, I found a confidence, you know, through some major changes in my Mm. life. Um, And some very good people around me like Tammy and and, um, some good friends who sort of showed me, no, you can be badass too and that's okay. And, you know, you don't need to conform to some idea of what country is or what Mm. music should be. I'm very much for, um, you know, the mindset that if you like it and it makes you feel something sound, if it makes you, whether it makes you feel like you want to dance or it makes you feel like you want to party or you want to drink or you want to cry or, and it doesn't have to be deep. It doesn't have to be super emotional all the time. If it makes you feel like you want to wind down your windows and drive down country lanes really fast, you know, <laughs> awesome. It's made you feel something though. Mm. Like, there's nothing worse than having a song, especially when you write, it's gutting when you write a song like that, where you just sort of think, oh my God, this is so boring. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, it's it. No. <laughs> if you feel mm. something fantastic, if it's your cup of tea, amazing, enjoy it, you know? Mm. That's like the really, because I, because I've obviously listened to your row off EP and it's, brilliant so i'm really excited for firecracker but the thing that's like made me like notice was like obviously a lot of the uk country scene when you see a girl with an acoustic guitar it's pop music with an acoustic guitar and that's kind of what is the norm at the moment and i think that was what was really great about your stuff was like oh shit like it's something completely different and it's gritty (laughs) it's sarcastic and it's weird to see like I wish more people were able to like find their voice, but then mm-hmm. I don't want to share some people and maybe their voice is writing pop music from an acoustic yeah. guitar. And it's there's always nothing, a, nothing wrong with it. Yeah, like, there's nothing it, wrong with it. But at the same time, don't don't ever hold yourself back and stop yourself from being who you want to be mm. just because you think that's what someone else wants. Yeah, because it's not worth it. You won't be no. happy. Been there, done that. It's not fucking mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is that can be a danger in like certain scenes because there is a archetype or a you know template of what a musician is and what it sounds like and you know that if yeah and if you know if you follow like follow these like steps and like that song structure and that you know that you'll be able to fit into that same demographic but what i've seen in the last like three years since the country scene started expanding with people like yourself and Josh right. Bettis and Alex Tempest, Lars Pluto, the scene's gotten not younger, but it's a lot more like younger artists coming in and trying to define their own voices and that's shaping the country scene in such an interesting way. 
And it's kind of like what the Americans have been doing for the last like five or six years. So you see that Benjamin Todd and Sierra Farrell influence slowly creeping into the UK. And I think the change at the moment is really interesting. The dynamic shifting. I'm really interested to see where it carries on to. Um, I definitely see that and I see what you're talking about. And I think it's, I also see it's like it's a little bit volatile at the moment. Mm. Um, there seems to be a lot of arguments breaking out over really, really silly things. Like, yeah, I was having this. I was just having this conversation in in the car with Tammy, and I was saying, you know what? Like, can people just be nice? Yeah. And if you know, if you haven't got anything nice to say, then scroll. Yeah. You don't have to get into an argument every day on Facebook. You don't have to say to someone oh you're shit or your opinion is wrong well no you're entitled to your opinion absolutely but do you have to put someone else down Mm. because theirs is not the same or you don't like their music or you don't like their cover art or you think the way that they're going about their career is wrong that's fine and if that's your opinion you know that's cool if you want to have conversations about it cool but you don't need to go up to them and shit on their you know their vision and and what they're doing because that's what they're doing yeah, if there's, you, yeah. No. <laughs> if yeah. not hurting you, then fine. Leave them alone. It's weird how there's such an us and them mentality straight away. Yeah. And it's really strange because you know that nothing they're doing is affecting you in any way, shape, or form. So that's why, like, with Rogue Country, like, what I mean, like, Josh kind of, like, kickstarted was we haven't, or we've tried as much as we can to stay out of, like, politics of other groups and things because we're not a part of, like, that in any way we're just kind of like sharing what we want and it's been so hard we've kind of we've tried all the time like when we're messaging each other you know if you put a post that either shit on someone or put a controversial opinion out it would get traffic and it get engagement straight away but to try and maintain a positivity has been so hard it's hard but it's definitely worth it because it's refreshing that's that's what i like about road country as well is that it's just a bit refreshing because it's something a bit different it's making a space that's accessible as well because not not you know let's let's be totally honest not all the scene is totally accessible to everyone Mm. and that's okay you know there's there's a french saying and i think about it a lot um uh, ça prend du tout pour faire un monde my accent's horrible. I'm really sorry. Um, but basically, it takes it takes um, a bit of everything to make a world, and it mm. does. You know, it would be very boring otherwise, and we would have nothing to write songs about. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, don't, I definitely don't think that anyone needs to be stepping on anyone else because someone's not going to come up and be like, "Right, I'm your fan," but because I'm your fan, I'm not her fan. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's so strange. Like I've always said, like the rising tide is the one that lifts all ships. So it's at the moment, it's such great change, but it is a lot of people are like dogmatic about what things are and what they should be. And it is really interesting in the UK scene at the moment to just see how everything's shifting. And it is with artists like yourself that are like pushing those boundaries, which have been really interesting. Thank you. Didn't do it on purpose. (laughs) Well, I don't think anyone really tries to. It was totally intentional. Yeah. Like it's such a hard thing. And like, I don't know. Do you focus much on like a social media strategy or a marketing thing? Because I've kind of got that brain for it where it's like, do you kind of think about like your posts or your engagement or what you're going to try and target people with? Yeah, to to an extent. I mean, some you know, some of my social media is just a bit of fun. Um, mm. but it is the biggest free tool 
um, to independent businesses, to independent artists, to, you know, everyone to put their ideas and themselves out there. So it is, I do think it is beneficial um, to think about it. And I do try to, so I did a, a music business master's. Um, mm. so I do sort of have that spin on things and do try to think about it and be a little bit careful with what I'm doing and try and structure it in a way that I can just get my message out Mm. effectively and, and reach people because at the end of the day I'm not saying I want to be rich and famous I'm not saying I want to be an influencer I'm not saying I want millions of followers but I do have something to say and if that connects with someone and if that makes someone feel less alone or makes someone feel a bit badass you know a bit of confidence you know or anything at all if that can connect with someone that's my goal mm -hmm. so you know it's reaching the right people um, and those people that, that will connect and will find something in your music and, you know, find comfort in that message. Yeah. Amazing. That's such an important point is like, you can kind of forget, especially with all the arguments and negativity that this is all meant to connect and bring people together, which is why I think I get really frustrated when people are so argumentative and like screaming in the comments is like, this is meant to be fun. And this is meant to be a nice, like music's meant to be a good thing. So yeah. why is everyone turning this into either like a dick measuring contest and like, I've done this and I've done I that. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, why aren't, can't we just be like, because I've put like a few like rogue country things have come up on like the group yeah. and people have been negative and it's like, I have to keep going into the comments and making other posts. Like guys, the main thing we're meant to be doing is fucking sharing music and posting like positive things. So can we not? And it's always just round up by, but I've done this. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's tiring. Like, there's no need. It's a lot easier to just be be positive and just be chilled out. It's, you, you don't spend the effort typing that nasty comment. Mm. If you let it go. Yeah. Because, like, it's a lot more effort into just being negative with other people, whereas you could just spend that time doing something else that you actually like doing <laughs> yeah because i've had this conversation with him richard glover from kings and queens a fair bit because he loves to like engage with people and like i get his perspe perspective on calling people out and it's like when it's obviously like racism and homophobia he's like on it and he'll that jump on it straight away that would get called out straight away yeah <laughs> and it's like those are the things that we can like but then it's you start just arguing with everyone and I've always been of the mindset of just like, I'm just going to delete them because there's that, like you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. And for my like mental health and shit, I'm just like, I can't be fucked with any of you because Facebook isn't society really. It's like the worst reflection of it. So I don't want to entertain, like my Facebook feed's pretty positive because I've just deleted like all the assholes <laughs> off it. That was a great strategy. <laughs> yeah. But like, I think you can fall into the dangers of networking and things and adding people and you have all these like cross posts of people you aren't even really tacitly involved with or spoke to in real life. And it's just like, why, why, why do I have you on here? Isn't this meant to be a fun thing for me to do? And uh, it's, yeah, it's when you're going through and you're going like, who are you? Why are you on my Facebook? Yeah. Who you are? <laughs> yeah. I do this dead. Like you do something or other, or related, you related to something or something, or something from that gig. Yeah, okay. I do this dead assholey thing where I'll like have a clear out with like when like the birthday messages pop up and it's like so and so's birthday. It'll remind me that I don't <laughs> actually know them and then I'll delete them. 
if you can't wish them happy birthday, don't have them. <laughs> yeah, that should be the Facebook rule, really. If you don't wish them a happy birthday, you clearly aren't friends. Brilliant. I love that. And <laughs> <laughs> um, with going back to your songwriting process and stuff, like with so mistakes, you said it was different. Was it? Obviously, it wasn't intentionally different. It was meant to be on the EP, but was it you went in with a certain mindset for that song and then it kind of switched when you recorded it or was it after the fact you recorded it, you realized it wasn't to fit with that EP? It was definitely after it because it was all recorded before the EP was. Um, but it was also written quite a long time before sort of the rest of the songs came about. Um, I think it was written more more towards when wrote off Hmm. Out, then, um, then I actually sort of wrote the other songs, so it's quite, it's quite, in, you know, for me, it's quite an old song in a way. Hmm. I've had it for a while, um, but yeah, I think just just because it just came from such a different time in my life, um, it just didn't quite slot in to like the vibe that that Firecracker's going for. Hmm. Um, and you do find that you you do, and you find that with like any you know your favorite artists, they have their their different sort of periods of time where they've done this kind of record and then mm. it's evolved into this kind of record and Pink's like the best one at doing that. She's mm. under the planet, like insane. <laughs> yeah, she's she's one of them artists that like, I don't think, obviously she sells out stadiums, but I don't think she gets the credit in terms of being like a songwriter or a actual, like a musician like a musician's musician as much as she should because how she writes and who she writes with and things is so calculated and so well done that like like me and she won't win massive fans like we always like put on like her records and stuff and it's something that's really interesting to see how she's from like um, what's the first song where it's pill is it pill I don't know <laughs> But from like <laughs> that first one where it was kind of like a goth phase where she was marketed as like the anti-Britney and the anti-Christina yeah. where she wasn't like that polished pop princess to then how she's like gone from like that to like a next evolution then when she was like a mom and then she was like a rebel and it was her like no. clearly defined stages of really an interesting songwriter's journey up there with like the same way you see like Johnny Cash's like life change through yeah. music there's not that many artists that you can clearly see a lifespan in their work Elvis as well a little bit yeah you can see that sort of journey mm. and then he went to Vegas <laughs> <laughs> and then he went to Vegas it's, it's like that's what it is though especially when you're writing about your life you're writing about your experience Dixie Chick or the chicks now mm. um, you can see that I've, I've been listening to some of their new, their new stuff their new album um, today and you can see that transition into a new stage and embracing, you know, the, the new technology, the new sound, the new, like what's trending and then using that in a way that works for them. Mm. Um, but obviously they've written about stuff. Like I watched an interview with them and obviously they've written about stuff that's gone on in their lives as well. And that's the thing when you, when you're writing about your experiences, you're growing as a person, mm. you know, you're going through your life and your songwriting follows that journey and this music itself and the lyrics and everything that will all reflect what's going on and, and what's going on at that time. Chances are it's probably not exactly that time and it'll mm. happen like a year or so beforehand and you're only just hearing it because that, you know, the yeah. time that it takes to put out your record and and, um, and make available on record. 
Um, but it is that you are, when you're following an artist like that, you, you are following that journey. Mm, yeah. And like, obviously this is the first time we've met, well, we're not, we've not met face to face yet. We were meant to meet in March for Whiskey Kisses and I was going to gave the podcast then, but obviously the world ended to prevent yeah. us from hanging out, which, you know, seems a bit much. But um, how long have you been performing and playing as like a solo artist or how, when did you first pick up a guitar? <laughs> um, so I can't remember exactly when I first picked up a guitar. I think, I think I was about 10 or 11. Might have been slightly older, but it was around that. Um, and that's sort of around when I started songwriting as well. I started songwriting when I was 11. Um, and I've been performing on and off as, as a solo artist um, for a few years, but it's only sort of June. June last year was my debut record. Dogs mm. barking. So got really mouthy staffy, and no one's allowed to walk past the house. <laughs> <laughs> um, just laughing. Um, but yeah, I think sort of. It was since, so it would have been, that came out, 2018 was when I sort of really debuted into, as a solo artist into the country scene. I just left a band that I'd been in um, and just wanted to break away and do do my own kind of thing. I was going in a different direction, mm. that sort of country direction. Um, so I had my, my gig with Royal South was my first proper country gig in the year. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gulliver's in Manchester, I was really scared. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, and then I've just sort of, yes, yeah, so since about 2018. So I'm pretty new, to be mm. fair. I'm quite a newbie. Oh, amazing. And what, like, influences, what was, like, your first, like, songwriting influences and the people who you were like, I want to do this because of, like, them? Oh, man, very first. Mm. <laughs> um, I've had this conversation before. Uh, Hannah Montana. Really? <laughs> Yeah, was was a diehard Hannah Montana fan when I was younger. <laughs> um, I've I've always had some some connection with music. Music's always been part of my life. It's always you know I've grown up listening to it because um, you know my parents always had it on. I've got some musical family, and um, it's always been there. But I think yeah, Hannah Montana was sort of when I was like, oh you know, pop star, yay! And then when I started really sort of getting more into contemporary music, coming away from like classical, classically trained on piano, um, but I came away from that a bit to to try contemporary music and started songwriting. And I sort of, I don't, I don't know that there was one particular influence, but it was just that I always listened to lyrics, I always listened to layers and stuff especially in like Mika and things mm. like that like his production and his like instrumentation is just insane and I just kind of not even consciously one day just went I want to do that it just kind of became a goal subconsciously and mm. here I am now <laughs> mm. I think like obviously like Hannah Montana it's like one of those like hyper realistic things yeah. but like I relate in the same way i picked up a guitar and stuff because of kiss and you, yeah. you like i think it's the same real thing where you see these like hyper realistic hyper exaggerated rock stars or musicians and that is when you're at like a young age because i found kiss when i was like 10 or like younger it's like that dream you're impressionable and you know everything's doable everything mm. 
achievable in life mm. when you, you're yeah. sort of that age and mm. especially that, when you're in an environment like my parents are very nurturing of mm. music and stuff like that they, they really encouraged it and went out of the way to make sure I had access to music lessons and instruments and everything like that which I'm forever thankful for because I really wouldn't be what I'm doing what I'm doing today if it wasn't for that mm. um but yeah, definitely in that environment when you're impression when you see that that sort of like in your face. Mm. Oh yeah, it's the best of both worlds kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But you, you see, see you're just like, I wanna do that. Yeah, but you <laughs> see that bombastic what you think is a reality. So when you pick up a guitar and you realise that like there's other ways, like that's not the reality, that's our reality. And you can find that like, you know, even just like playing open mics is a version of what that is and it's such like a good gateway to start getting into like music and performing obviously it's not madison square garden and whatever but it's still you're performing music and you're still i started on open mics like Mm. that's you know i think everyone every sort of musical journey started in open mics yeah what the that's what you do It's yeah. kind of the, the natural path, isn't it? Mm. I love. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I did an open mic in Liverpool, one of the first ones I went to, and they didn't even have microphones. It was literally you went into a cafe, and it was the top half of a vegetarian restaurant, and it was this guy, and he, you could tell he'd done LSD. Like you just, <laughs> I'm like looking at him. But you just know, you just yeah. look at someone like, yeah, yeah. It's like he's been through. He was just this like aging hippie. And he recited the same three poems every open mic. And it was you literally just like, you're all sat in the restaurant at tables, like spaced out across the entire room. And then you literally just stood up where you were and played. And then you'd sit back down. And it was such an interesting thing. I think like for me, especially like that was really like fun to not even have a reliance on a microphone. But I remember that being like a super fun open mic to go to. And I remember I pointed out, I was like, well, it's not even an open mic technically. And he went, Oh yeah, and I don't think anyone had ever pointed out to him that he didn't have a microphone. <laughs> oh, that's really cute. <laughs> that was cool though. And I was like making the point again, like if you like what you're doing, awesome, do it. If it makes you feel good, do it. If you want to recite the same three poems, do it. <laughs> yeah. I can still half remember the ones he was doing because he called it the poet tree and he'd mime a tree as he did it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun experience and like that it was also i've had like a few technical malfunctions while i've been performing like i had in the castle when i was playing once in manchester the guitar cut out and while i was playing night and day with chris Schiffler, the guitar cut out and because i've been like you know without a mic and stuff you just carry on playing because the beauty of an acoustic instrument is you don't need it to be amped up really from a little bit harder and you sound yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's such. I I just fuck. I love music. It's so such an interesting and like multifaceted thing. And part of the reason I did this podcast was because I want to sit down with people like yourself and things and talk about all these different like ways in these different influences and things. And it's interesting to see other people's perspectives on it as mm. well. Like it's sort of their mindset and and how they go about it, or what what they think about it. It's, it is interesting to sort of see see mm. that perspective yeah and that's what i'm hoping with this because it's like I, I have chats with like you guys and even just like one little thing that they can like say is like it can just completely change your perspective on things and it's the same as like you know like a stephen king's on writing book where it's like part biography 
And it's some of the biographical things are more informative than the actual, this is how you write a book. (laughs) So with obviously firecrackers out on July 24th, you've got the virtual EP launch. Are you looking at the moment for touring in 2021? Are you feeling anything else at the moment for the next phase of pushing it? Um, it's something that is on the cards. Um, can't say a right lot about it. Right. <laughs> um, but if you follow me, <laughs> then you'll see the news. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, I'm definitely looking forward to gigging real gigs again and we'll take it sort of kind of from there. But um, there was a cancelled tour that was supposed to happen with, in April with MMR. I was supposed to go co-headline um, around the UK, and obviously, you know, that didn't happen. Mm. 2020 got cancelled. Yeah. Um, so hopefully, that will be rescheduled, um, and we'll get out there and see everyone that that we've missed so much. Mm. And have you toured much around the UK before? Because obviously, you've only with like right off was 2018, was it? So have you toured much of the UK? 2019. It was only last year yeah. that it came out. Um, not 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 really like proper tour like the um we call it the fire and whiskey tour that was going to be my sort of first proper like mm. actual tour um but i have gigged a lot sort of around the uk and and um yeah met some lovely people been mm. some places i've never been before yeah. <laughs> that's the, yeah that's the best thing and i think the uk is really good for that because you know you can get to the other side of the country in four hours so mm. even without booking like that's a but even booking like you know in a weekend you can do a fair chunk of the uk Mm -hmm. in it because everywhere is quite close together compared to europe or america and things so i think we're really lucky in that perspective where north as well yeah i'm from down south and moving up north i'm like wow all the cities are really close together (laughs) yeah yeah because basically with the north like from i could do liverpool manchester leeds and back from like a Friday to Monday with a few stops in between. And it's really nice to not have to, you know, put aside two weeks for a tour. But I'm so, I've been like messaging Josh because I want to do a tour with him. And it's, um, I'm trying to wait to book these things because I'm I have the wall for that tour. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I post something like related to you guys, you just like, I'm bickering in the comments. It's yeah. The Ooh. thing is though, while he's commenting on that, insulting me, he's messaged me on messenger about someone else <laughs> oh for sure he's all just trying to act cool while he's like insulting me publicly it was the marriage piper comment today <laughs> really? yeah. but even like i play dungeons and dragons with him every week it's not like we go without speaking to each other but every now and then he'll just try and like, like football goals <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But it's just like, yeah, he just always pokes at me on Facebook. He's the only negative person I keep on my Facebook. <laughs> yeah. But like the thing with like touring and what I really want to do, like I've only done one full UK tour and getting to actually commit to two weeks of mm-hmm. touring is so fucking fun. And I'm so excited to get back to it in 2021. And like I had a European tour get cancelled in March and I'm so excited to get back into Europe and hopefully before Brexit shits on everything so we can get back out and do something good before the island sinks into the sea where it belongs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just one thing after the other, isn't it? It is. It's just been a constant shitstorm. 
<laughs> yeah, I remember I saw a thing where it was like the world was meant to end in 2012, but since then has anything seemed real? That is a that oh. <laughs> I'm just going to go have an exis- existential crisis. No. Yeah. Well, I got um, a load of Ouija boards delivered today. So I'll... I've seen that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, they're, they're really, like, because the LP I'm making, I got like, my mate to design, like, a full gatefold for it because my way of thinking for the album was if it's the only album I ever release, I wanted it to be able to, like, stand the test of time. So I was thinking, like, you know, I'm dead and gone, died in infamy, and someone will be flicking through a record store and you know be able to pull it out and it'll still hold up next to any other record they yeah. pull out of a production so it's a full yeah well it's a full gatefold thing and he did a full ouija board with it but included like the album credits and the artists who played on it so i thought it was too good a design to not have a full ouija board on and yeah. Then, yeah my partner wasn't happy about me getting like 11 ouija boards delivered to the house like bring that level of evil That's on. Some bad juju. <laughs> yeah, I think if you open them and don't use them, it's fine. It's these. It's the same. Yeah, don't, like don't try using it, and you'll be sound. Yeah, yeah again, it's the same evil as a monopoly board. It's not till you put like a glass on it and start trying to like communicate with people. I don't know. Try putting a glass on a monopoly board. See what happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get accused of cheating. Can't be any worse. <laughs> Might end up with some property. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I'm not a big spiritual believer or thing in that so i'm just excited to have I something are really i am i'm like i'm certain that there was something living in my old house um part of the reason why we were just like mm, we want to get out of it because there's, there's some creepy stuff going on here we don't like it mm. uh, but no I'm, yeah I'm, I'm a little bit of a, a believer in sort of spiritual shit <laughs> i say i'm not until all the lights go out and then, and then, like, then you're a believer yeah, yeah. <laughs> Light bulb blows, and you're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like I'm getting into bed, and like my girlfriend's not allowed to switch the lights off before I'm like, my feet are off the ground in case a monster gets me. But like, just run. Yeah. Run, and yeah. they can't catch it. It's fine. Yeah. But it's, it's weird with like those type of things because like I've talked about this with my mate John because he worked in this old building in Liverpool for a biennial, like an art exhibition. And that building had some horrific vibes. But then it's kind of, the, how you interpret those vibes is always like interesting to certain people and people like interpret it to be like a negative thing people be a positive thing but it's weird how there's always something there so i'm not not spiritual but i don't know about like entities and things like that so ouija boards aren't gonna bother me until the cat like stares off into the room and then i'll have to move house something starts just moving on its own yeah <laughs> Yeah. You're like, no, <laughs> burn them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I've got two cats now and one's trying to claw up a window at the moment, but he's hunting flies or something stupid. <laughs> yeah. My, my dog just kind of, I don't even know. I don't even think she's an actual dog. I'm pretty sure she's just a person in a dog's body. <laughs> yeah, she can well communicate. It's weird. Spiritual. Telling <laughs> that is the thing because like there's loads on him um, like human evolution and stuff where the six senses like where you feel people watching and stuff is the same thing as like prey no like knowing there's a predator around so it's the same yeah. thing as so i kind of get it from that because i would i got that deep into like buddhism and psychology where they broke down what the buddhist perception of life was <laughs> into like the worldview and it was really interesting to see like how your perception of something your mind assumes the worst because it's a survival instinct 
Yeah, so no, if you, you buy it. Yeah. So if you see like something floating in the water, you assume the worst because then that's going to keep you from getting eaten by a crocodile or whatever. So even if you see like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So even if you see like something floating or you see like a coiled bit of rope and your brain interprets it as a snake, it's rather you look like a dickhead than get bitten by a snake. Well, yeah. yeah. I'd rather not get bitten by a snake. Like, <laughs> yeah. <creepy fuckers. laughs> but yeah, it's such a... How do you trust something that's got like no legs, no arms, and just kind of goes... I used to have a pet snake. It was a corn snake. And it grew to... um, It grew to five foot and then it bit me. So I sold it. That's me. That's me. I was like two inches off of me. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just coiled up one day and I was changing its water and I put my hand in and it must have thought it was like a mouse had struck and bit me. So I sold it and bought, I bought an electric guitar with it instead. <laughs> See, that, that, was, that I can get behind. Yeah, so that was the process then. Any pictures you see of me with a flying V, that guitar was bought from selling a snake. Did you at least name it after the snake? Yeah, it's called Whiplash after my uh, snake whiplash. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. But naming guitars is such a weird pastime. Yeah. I haven't actually named any of mine. I think I've only named actually no, that's like I've named one of mine. And I've named my black one that I use in Dad Gabby, I've named it EJ. <laughs> the totally unoriginal reason that the plaque on the headstock says EJ. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. I've got Whiplash was like the white one I got the snake with. My other double O Pro the Sunburst one. I named Patty after the year. Patterson Gimlin Bigfoot footage. Just because I'm a huge Bigfoot fan. And then the only I've got one guitar left that I've not named. I had one called Maggie. That the first time I played it was in a bar called Maguire's in Liverpool. Yeah. So um, I sold that one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think we're getting up to the hour mark now. I don't want to keep too much of time as we're cracking on enough. I have the habit of I was talking to him. Charles Wesley Godwin the other day and in behind he got up at 5am bless him to like talk with me and it was seeing the light change from dark to light behind him and I've seen you just slowly sink into the darkness. I don't just really go, I'm just sat in the dark now. <laughs> yeah so let's bring it up lightly from talking about spirits and snakes and things. And... <laughs> You're me sat in the dark talking about spirits. <laughs> really good I'm really not going to get chased by anything here. <laughs> so obviously you've got a tour that you can't really talk about yet but if you follow you on social media, you'll find out about that soon enough. You've got the Firecracker repeat. Are you looking at doing a full-length record? Because I know there's a load of conversations about the validity or, you know, point of albums now instead of just doing single releases or EPs. It's, um, it's, a, it's a potential, <laughs> shall I say, for now. Hmm. Potentially going to happen at some point. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much, Amelia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this has been really fun I want to do a part two when we can all finally meet face to face like I've been trying to go further afield with these zoom ones just because I want to kind of save because I've got like Stevie O'Connor who lives like 20 minutes away from me but I don't want it like, so I may as well wait until I can do all these face to face I can talk to Josh face to face so I can tell him how much of a dickhead he is <laughs> without, yeah, yeah. without him being able to hang up on me I can lock all the doors and then like be like this is what's wrong with our relationship yeah but um, yeah so thank you so much for doing this um, thank you for having me it's been lovely
Yeah, we haven't even talked about whiskey kisses and things like that. So, yeah, yeah so we've got a lot more to talk about. Whiskey kisses. Yeah, but thanks so much. I'm going to hit stop recording on this. And thanks so much, Amelia. And there you have it, folks. Episode 11 of Into the Van, Into the Bag. Go get Amelia Quinn's Firecracker EP right now over on her Bandcamp. Go onto her Facebook, Amelia Quinn Music. You know, go support this type of music, especially in the UK, because this is the type of country music and roots and traditional, you know, this is the type of genres and artists that are going to become what defines the scene, I believe, in the next five or so years. And, you know, I include myself in that I'm lucky enough that I'm surrounded by such phenomenal artists that I'm considering friends. And this scene's just going to be fucking kicking off so much more. And it's such a getting on the ground floor, guys. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, I hope you've had a lovely episode. I hope you've had a lovely week. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. You know, go forth and have fun. I know I am. See you next time, guys. Peace. <laughs>